Welcome to the third video of the Night Below campaign, The Sunless Sea. If you have not seen the videos of the first two books, Evils of Harensire and Perils of the Underdark, I urge you to do so and then return for the first part of the conclusion of this epic adventure. Links can be found below on the comment section. Your players by now should be around level 10 and with a plethora of magical items that they will most definitely need to bring this hard adventure to an end. Having caused total chaos to the city of the glass pool and found the passage behind it that leads to the gigantic cavern of the Sunless Sea, they have some time to recuperate and return to their friends, bringing everyone up to speed and getting ready for the final descent to the Underdark. If the players have not allied with the Darrow and have not entered or desecrated the burial grounds of the Deep Gnomes, they are still their allies and willing to help. If they have given them the crown of Dero domination, they might even forgive them for breaking their alliance in the first place. The Sphirfneblin know there is a vast cavern below the glass pool, and rumor has it that there is some other powerful race of creature that has established a great settlement. They are also willing to share an information about an incident that took place a while ago, and it was witnessed by one of their own. A group of Philithids were descending to the Sunless Sea with some slaves, when another group of Philithids emerged from the tunnels and greeted them. The second group then suddenly attacked the slave bringers with poisonous daggers, killing them and taking the hostages back to the tunnels. The gnomes are not sure what that means, but they do know that Illithids are not chaotic creatures to do something like that. Another important group the players can contact is the Rockseer Elves. Given the players have retrieved for them the Sapphire Dragon from the Darrow, the Rockseer Elves will seek the players out for a conclave with their elders. Their leader, Aljayera, needs a complete account of what happened. He knows about the Ixans and informs the players about them. He wants to send an emissary group of Rockseers to the surface elves. After many years of guilt for their ancestors' cowardice, during the gods Corellon Larethian battle with the goddess of the drow, Lolf, still hangs heavy over them. It is time to overthrow the Sackles of Same. If the PCs are willing to help them, he will start talking about the Soundless Sea in depth, sharing more information. That is a great opportunity for the group to take a break from the Underdark expeditions and head to an elf establishment that is not in Harensire, bringing the two races together once again. The writer of the adventure goes out of his way to describe what that would be like for the underground elf race to meet their estranged surface cousins. This part of bringing the elf together is a really interesting one because it keeps on building the world for the players to continue their games after this adventure concludes. Something that I see on various parts of this adventure and I appreciate greatly. If they're successful, he will tell the players that there is a great cavern that lies in a vast lake. The side passages of the lake are infested with different creatures. The rulers of the Sunless Sea are the Aboleths and are residing in the city of the Great Saboeth. That is the destination of all slaves. The Savant Aboleths, the great priest wizards of the race, are constructing some vast magical device and they are sacrificing the kidnapped victims in the process of doing so. He will also warn the players about a place called the Isle of Shadows a once sacred place that now has fallen to the hands of a dreadful, unimaginable evil. The Archwizard of the Elves will hand the players a map of the Sunless Sea, with locations that they have managed to identify through divination spells over the years. Heading to the surface, the adventure dictates to have the players seek knowledge about the information they have gathered. This, again, is one of my favorite parts of this sandbox-style adventure. This is why 
I love being a game master after all. Filling the gaps of the adventure should be the thing you aim to do. Your personal touch is what makes this adventure different for every group. At this point, the players probably have accumulated information about their enemies and their base. They need to get as much help dealing with them as possible. Help can be information about what kind of monster aboleths are, their powers, their weaknesses, magical items that they can help them deal with their strengths, shielding them from their attacks, lore and history that might give them the edge against them. The writer of the adventure gives a small hint about that by allowing the players find a sage that has a scroll with a symbolic language of the aboleths. Most times I find that using the elves and their meeting on the surface to be a more appropriate source of information, telling them about a forgotten temple that their wise elders remember, including books about aboleths or magical items that they concealed their minds against them. Sending your players to a small one-shot adventure to a forgotten temple or an ancient tomb to fight, earning at the same time some extra experience, and find some valuable books that contain bits and pieces of the aboleth lore is a more organic and memorable way to do it instead of just having to pay a sage to give that information to the players. Until the players make their first move against the city of Saboath, they are safe from the Aboleths. They have dealt in the past with the curious humans that have descended to their areas, and honestly they are becoming quite arrogant as of lately since they are approaching their end goal. When the players have decided that they have gathered all they need and they are ready to face their great foes, they will find themselves eventually inside the Sunless Sea Cavern. This great cavern is filled with mysteries, dangers and opportunities. Here there are many evil creatures that the players might be able to ally with. The renegade Illithids that they were foreshadowed by the story of the Deep Gnomes and they are greatly opposing to what the Aboleths are about to do. The deranged Darrow that they can be manipulated by the Crown of Domination if the players have it. And finally a group of Tenari who want to keep tabs on a Batezu emissary residing inside the city of Great Zaboath. All three of those groups provide really interesting and versatile roleplay potential. Given that all of them are really evil groups, the players might hesitate to work with them, making their following descent much more harder deeper into the underdog. Some will go with the enemy of my enemy is my friend, others will have a more tortured mind to deal with all that evilness of the place. Deciding to cleanse it or ignore them and proceed alone into the depths of this unholy bastion might be their only way. The deranged Darrow are really interesting NPCs. They are totally mad by the first experiments that took place in the area from the Aboleths, so negotiating or interrogating will be a challenging at best scenario. Add to the fact that they are prone to hallucinations and illusions, so their perception of reality is really distorted and that alone will give you a blast of an RP with your players, seeing things that they are not there, adding descriptions of trippy locations and everything in between. But once again, let your players try the wildest of their ideas. Go with it if they are finding ways to change that. In the end, having the crown of domination for the Darrow will make this encounter so much easier and provide the players with a much needed help to proceed deeper underground. Multiple Darrow can be found here, with the most interesting being the messenger of the Fist God that stands on a small island preaching about his deity. Three followers kneeling at the shore with empty baskets and then fish and eel suddenly jump out of the lake inside the baskets. With the use of Charm Monster, of course, the preacher is trying to convert his fellow Darrow and even the players to worship his fish gods. And fun interactions have happened here in the past. There's also 
an interesting group of Dero that have heard about a bleak cabal faction of Sigil and they are fascinated by the nihilism of the faction and they are obsessed by it. Here the players can find an amazing item, which is for elves or half-elves, an iron stone that will add one whole level to the wearer. Yeah, you heard that right, one level bonus. The players might locate a group of fire giants that have descended to the fissure, which is a sacred side of a fire giant deity, to perform a ritual to the son of a chieftain, preparing him to become the new leader now that his father is about to die. Trying to negotiate with them will be hard, but once again, never say never. The players have great experience by now, they might have to offer the giants things that will definitely convince them to help them. They can even charm them, but given how masterful the aboleths are in enchantment magic, they will detect the spell and they will intercept it, using the domination talents to control the giants and at the worst possible time attack the players. That's a really interesting twist of events. Of course, also viable scenarios will be for the players to decimate all of the giants. The limits, once again, are guided by the player's imagination. Feel free to explore the possibilities. The players here will find a plethora of giants and trolls. Two of the locations are really tough for the fights that are about to happen. There is a boiling water pool that the enemies will try to boil the players alive in the steaming pool. So positioning along with great strategical planning is imperative. And the lava pool room with this fissure of 800 feet depth. If boiling your players was not enough, worry not. Now you can either throw them into the fissure that would lead to their instant death or burn them alive by throwing them into the lava pool. The chieftain, his son and the witch doctor will try their best to do so. Also an interesting RP encounter in this area will take place if you have any dwarf players and especially if the group managed to talk to the chieftain to broker an alliance. Inside his room there are many huge ceramic jars with labels of pressed dwarfs, simply priceless. After the combat takes place, a wall of fire will block the exit of the players if they have killed all of their enemies. And the temperature in the room is starting to increase every round. The deity of the fire giants is not happy that their mighty followers were murdered. A gigantic image of Surtur, the deity of the fire giants, will start to materialize from the lava and start to fixate on the player who killed the young chieftain. This is the very moment that your players should start running. Unless they are ready to give a generous offering into the lava, something that the giants did before the combat started and hopefully your players had spotted. A Tanari group resides desperate. Their leader, Lilianth, has been sent on an impossible mission to King Palistren, the pit fiend emissary to the city of Saboath, and of course every Batezu that is accompanying him. She has an elite strike force of two Alufins, Janelle and Vilian, and the Succubus Linara. She obviously lacked the firepower and needed to fight their way into Saboath and kill a well-guarded pit fiend. Meeting with the projection of Lilianth when the group reaches room 4, while the rest of her crew is hiding with invisibility, she will try to find out if they are minions of the foul aboleths. The Tonari will claim to be from a cabal coming from another plane and was sent here on a desperate mission. She informs the group about the presence of the Batezu in the city and makes clear she intends to get in and kill him even if that means dying trying. So an alliance can be brokered here. How this alliance will work? Well, it's up to you. And how the players want to proceed with that? Can the players possibly trust the fiends? To some extent, they share a common enemy, the Batezu, and it's in their interest to work together towards destroying this mutual foe. Once this is done, all deals are off. 
If the PCs have treated the Tanari well, they may simply drop their disguise, thank the mortal fools for their timely help, and depart with promises of be seeing you. After all, the characters have prevented the fiends from suffering the eternities of torture that awaits those Tanaris who fail in special missions of importance. On the other hand, the Tanari are both chaotic and evil, so gratitude may not be enough to save the players. If an enmity has developed between one of the fiends and a player, she may try to kill him, drag him off to the abyss, especially if the character is wounded or weak. The DM has free reign to adjust this outcome however he sees fit based on the roleplay that his players is going to bring in the table. The renegade group of the Illithids are an easier bunch to work with. Still evil, but given their lawful aspect, it is easier to deal with. Their lair has plenty of dangers and when peace talks, if any, take place, it's up to your players to decide about it. The Mind Flayers have a substantial force with them. And if they decide to parley with them, the scene that follows are really interesting. Setting up the scene, we are going to see Ipshizane, the leader of the Mind Flayers, being sincere but has to have every situational advantage he can. Having his bodyguard invisible and out of the frame, but he gathers all of the Illithids in a conclave, with every Fomorian available standing around the circle of Mind Flayers and players. Broken ones will be dispatched to the guard points. The conclave will be held in Area 6, but Ipshizane will keep the PCs waiting and he will appear from Area 7 wearing his ceremonial robes with the largest surviving Fomorian behind him as his bodyguard. If the players accept to do more than one attack to the city and to help as best as they can with scrying, divination and generally strengthening their position before any incursion is made, they will share that the Aboleths are constructing a huge magical device which will extend their reins of their domination for miles. They will play the card united we might win, alone we will kill you but we will lose eventually from the Aboleths which makes sense in general and most players will understand and agree with that. The Illithid will give the players the map of how to set down the Aboleths. They know they must destroy the Tower of Domination, which is not a single building but a complex of five different magical towers, each of which generates a field of magical power from a sphere on their top level. They know that each caster that is being sacrificed brings the tower closer to completion. Lastly, they know and share a fair deal about Seboa's general defense status. To the south of the cave, there are two passages that head to Duegars and Backbears. In case the Game Master wants to increase the level of the players or fit some of the stories that he created in the surface and he wants to tie some loose ends that he has. A main aspect of this adventure is the conflict that will most certainly will be created among your players. This is a heavily RP alignment adventure and will put the players to the test more often than not, especially if the group has lawful good or even neutral good players. Many of the alliances are with evil creatures, some lawful but others even chaotic. Some game masters might downplay this, but I have to suggest not to do so. Having moral conflict in the group is a great opportunity to create tension and paint a really grim image for them. Yes, good characters, they want to stick with their moral compass, but their decisions will be hard, knowing that not getting the help they need, many people could die in the hands of a terrifying and manipulative monsters. Will the ironclad paladin bend the knee to save cities? Or will he stick to his code and face the consequences of his choices? There is no right way to deal with that. I had so many parties and equally as many different approaches. And that is what this adventure brings to the table. 
replayability. At least for the Game Master, which is a really important aspect in our game and people do not talk about it as much as they need to. Perhaps a video for that might come in the future. In this ancient tomb filled with traps, the missing Jalineth can be found. The initial hook that started it all finally can be found here. She escaped her captors and found refuge here with many scars and a broken spirit. By now, the antis have been upped so much that the initial quest might be a loose end that, that came to an end, but unfortunately, the players have new threats to deal with. Threats that can cost the lives of all human beings on top the surface, and not just one wizard apprentice. Jalineth will share anything the players might not have gathered already from the rest of their allies, and she is willing to help bring an end to those despicable creatures. The Game Master is given a plethora of extra creatures that can be used in the area of this great cavern. 30 to 40 stone giants coming to visit a monolith that is an important artifact to their tribe, a group of Myconids that they are fighting a losing battle in another cave against the only exiled drow found in the Underdark. How cool is that? The adventure takes place in the Underdark, the home of the Drow and Riders, yet we only see one of the star creature of this area and it is on a side quest. This is a perfect example and a tip for Game Masters. Do not let settings confide you. Yes, Underdark has a signature creature in it, but that does not mean you cannot create awesome stories with creatures you can bind to this location. As long as your imagination can weave weird and intricate stories, the sky's the limit even in a skyless and depressing place as the Underdark. Reaching the vast lake that houses the great city of Saboath, the players will find it littered with many small islands. Investigating them might give them death or great power. Let's take a quick look at them. A small island with an abandoned settlement, a small trapdoor bolted from the inside will lead the party to a small dungeon complex, home to Zandur. She is a specialist enchanter who found refuge here from the surface. The wizard herself, along with her guardian, Invisible Stalker, can be found here. If defeated, the wizard will try to strike a bargain with the group, opening a million different ways of setting up the situation, having her Invisible Stalker shadowing the players and waiting for the worst of moments to attack, to actually helping them based on the RP and effort to finalize that story. Nevertheless, the notes and research she has made on Aboleths is really important and helpful for the players. They can find a map and details on the magical towers along with many, many magical items. A beacon of evil that even the Aboleths are avoiding. A dark and desolate place that causes frost damage every round and blinds anyone arriving on its source with the deep darkness that covers it. Only two buildings stand to this unholy place, infested with roaming undead. This is the home to the cult of the Dark God. An unholy conclave of skeletal figures around a table ready to attack. A cursed treasure that will test the fortitude of the curious, making system sock rolls every three days. Failure means death and transformation to the abomination they have already killed without mercy, becoming undead themselves, permanently with no magic being able to reverse their fate. Yep, that really happened. And an encounter in this holy place facing a skeletal priest of the Dark God, a leech-like being ready to devour the disruptors of this place. This room is not named the Hall of Endings without a reason. 
The Ixans are allies of the Aboleths and this will be a good opportunity to take them out of the equation before they become a powerful enemy later on added to the ranks of the Aboleths. If the group does an organized attack, they might be able to end them. Failing and trying again means the Ixans will head to the city of Saboath and the Aboleths will start taking the threat your players pose more seriously. A plethora of Ixans are fighting in their terrain, making this encounter really hard for non-aquatic races. Ixan priests, wizards, water elementals and even vampiric ones will try to devour your players. Their preparation and reconnaissance can change the outcome of the fight. Here you can find 20-some Kuatoa worshipping a 6-foot standing stone and might share stories of the Kraken that usually come to visit them to be amused. Open-ended plot hooks ready to be weaved into your story, but a Kraken does exist even if your players logically won't believe the Kuatoa in the first place. The Kraken can be found here in this old drow settlement that has been sunk for many years and still littered with the dead bodies of the drow that didn't make it out. And with them you can also find a drow banshee appearing as a beautiful pale elf swimming at the waters ready to seduce the next innocent soul. All male players should be terrified of her charmful wail and pray to have some powerful woman companions to help them deal with this threat that can pull them in the depths of the lake forever. Zazirithel the Tannery can be found here waiting to find the best moment to attack and stop the plants of Lilianth. Having an inception moment with a Tannery trying to stop a Batezu and then some other Tannery trying to stop the first one leading to actually helping the Aboleths and, and if you follow that then you will surely find a way to add your players to this unholy mix. I sure did in a couple of my groups that they were interested in this kind of drama. And that will conclude the first part of the two videos that will lead us to the final battle of this epic saga. Thank you for being here. I still cannot believe that so many people subscribe, comment and even send me emails with their thoughts and their good words. It really moves me. I wish I had some more time to produce more videos like this since I enjoy making them greatly. Unfortunately, I will have to stick with a video per month for most cases. But still, a huge thank you goes out to all of you. This was the RPG Lore Master and welcome to my table.